When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Carton Blue post-match reaction. My name's Dan Rowitz. I'm joined here by the brilliant Neil from the For the Love of Pormagrave podcast. Neil, I always love doing podcasts with you. The tactical insight and the vibes are excellent with you. Perfect for a quick 30-minute post-match show. First of all, you've done your own podcast before we've even come on, so you've already uh, spoken at length about Villa. Uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game, how are you? Feeling good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling great. Um... Sunday hasn't even the sun hasn't even gone down on a Sunday, and we get to smile about Aston Villa winning. So uh, that's always good, and winning from, by a brace from an unlikely source, which I'm sure we're going to mm. get on onto in a moment. So all in all, away points are all always kind of taste nicer, and uh, we got three of them today. So absolutely over the moon. Mm. We spoke a lot about Burnley on obviously the preview show that we did, and they also got quite a mention in our season preview as well. That they kind of come up with this aura almost that company brings of they smash the championship they play nice football will that translate into the Premier League and Natalie who did our preview show is kind of hyping up Burnley and how good they're going to be and how good of a how good of a game this could be and I kind of bought into that hype to be honest and I, I do think Burnley can still have, go on to have a decent season of course they've played two games we've played three but it feels mm. like it'll take some time for them to gel almost and they might need 10 to 12 games before they can start to string performances together and you'd hope as a Burnley fan not that it bothers us that they've, they're not almost kind of cut adrift by then um, there's a lot of talk then in the build up about like the how prepared both sides were that Burnley obviously didn't play last week because they're playing Luton Luton's ground isn't ready yet we've obviously played the extra game in Europe as well and how that would impact Villa from a, a fatigue point of view Burnley are maybe more um, or less fatigued than Villa would be but to me, at this point in the season, if it was I don't know, February or March when the, the fixtures start to build up, that extra week of rest would, would do the side a world of good. At this stage of the season, though, Burnley aren't up to speed yet because they've played yeah. less games than Villa. Villa have started to hit their groove already now and, and kind of toyed with Burnley at times, I felt. And as soon as it was as soon as it went to 2-0, I thought, well, that's game over, regardless of, of what happens in the second half after that. Um, did you feel the same way that it was it was almost men against boys at times? Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say men against boys, but I, I think the you know just just to touch on the the Burnley aura piece, I, I think Burnley are uh, well entitled to smell themselves a small bit because they're playing. They like last year they played an absolutely superb brand of football. They played a brand mm. of football that we've seen teams that if you can get it right, the, the oh, I'm going to call it the Brighton or the Brentford style of football. You know, a flowing confident type of football a new mm. age type of football and if you can get it right in the premier league you know it can work and and to be honest with you i still think they can get it right they've had a, a stinker of a start with, with, with man city and, and villa two teams you don't want like that luton game might have been perfect for them to go maybe win that get a foothold but they had a lot of players today making only their second premier league appearance or in some instances they'll call they played at left back he's first now you're mm. relying on the likes of sander Berger in midfield and to a lesser degree josh cullen inside there to really provide your experience and, and Daryl Shea to, to provide your experience of, of Premier League football there and 
to be really honest, the two guys they had in midfield, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a moment, they were the, they were the problem for Burnley today. Their two most experienced players were the, were the problem. And uh, and Villa went after them, and and both of them were booked in the first half, and they were incredibly ineffectual in Josh Cullen and, and Sander Berger. Like so, so I I think with Burnley, they'll they, I think they'll figure it out. I think they still probably I know they've signed a ton of players. They've they've been really astute in who they've signed, real up and coming players. Maybe their age profile is a small bit too young, but the sell on will still be there for them. Um, mm. and I think, but I think that. I still think they need another central midfielder. I think they need somebody who's got a bit more, uh, a bit more um, pace about them because I, I don't know. I, I don't like the pairing of Cullen and Sanderberger in there. Um, and I'm sure that some Burnley fans might watch this and say, "What he doesn't know what he's talking about." They're two fantastic players. I'm an Irishman. I like Josh Cullen. I just don't think Sanderberger is the partner for him because Sanderberger moves at a glacial play, pace. Mm-hmm. He's so slow, and Villa really capitalised on that today. And talk about pairings from the other side of it. Kamara and Louise get better by the week, don't they? I, I don't know what else we can say about them. This is game week three in the Premier League, and it's like we're already kind of going, What do you say about these guys? I don't know where we're going to be game week 38 when we've seen them for an entire season together. But yeah. those two are just such a, a classy combination of, of footballers, and it, it's not like it's even like you kind of go, Well, Villa have got a, a team of 11, of course, and those two are the, the hub to it. And if they don't play well, Villa don't play well. There's so many good players around them as well that Villa look at a serious side uh, as a whole unit. But those two in particular as a partnership are superb, aren't they? Mm. Bubakar Kamara today was my... So, look, I think it's obvious who man of the match is today. How many how many times did Matty Cash ever have an opportunity to score a hat-trick in a, in, in a match? And I was delighted he kept on shooting. And I'm sure we'll get to that in a moment. But I, 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 there was a player I had massive eyes and I was burning a hole in his back, I'd say, through the whole lot of the first half to see how he was getting on. That was Bubakar Kamara because I felt I was... I felt I was... Uh, correctly critical of him in the first game against Newcastle. I felt he was dragged out of position. I felt he didn't play the six well. I felt he didn't know who was playing the six between himself and Douglas Louise and Joe Linton went through them uh, like like a dose of salts. But um, I think in this in in the Hibs game and in and in the Everton game, he's obviously he's gotten back up to speed. And a lot of people said, "Oh, you know the the press from Everton was non-existent and Hibs press was non-existent." And then when you come up against a Burnley team who are I know in the short tenure company has, but he's almost made this team famous for this ridiculously high press, which they came with in Villa Villa Playroom. I can talk about that in a moment. Um, but Bubka, the thing, the the moral of the story is Bubakar Kamara had to be on form today, and I think he stood up to it. And I, I actually think he was better when he was under pressure, uh, mm. as as much as he was, because he he was able to play those little one two passes that he's always done. He was able to to quickly get turned and get around on the ball. Sometimes when he's too much time to think, that's when he gets caught. Like against Leicester last season, you know, he gets caught when he's too much time to think. Maybe he tries to turn once, twice, three times, and then all of a sudden, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Tete got the ball off him, and Harvey Barnes stuck it, and I think in the back of the net. But um. He was really good today, really reactive, really proactive. And I thought, like, I, I came away from that game going, brilliant. If he can string four or five games like this together and and uh, this is the player we want to see, well, then Villa will be all the better for it because this, the, the tactic that Una Emery plays, it needs to have that pivot point being really, really solid. And, and he was really, really solid today. And I thought he was excellent. I still find it just so interesting watching us playing the style of playing the kind of vary the variables in the system that we play a back five or back three I guess today with, with cash push further forward and we look at a different side but still hold the same principles of playing the same kind of, of yeah. way 
somebody that we've not mentioned there in the midfield is John McGinn. Again, I don't know how much I can kind of have an outpouring love for John McGinn. He's just such a, a unique footballer. I think John called him on a recent episode that he's, he's got a bit of everything and the ball he plays mm. through for the, the first goal. Obviously, he doesn't get the assist, does he? Because he's not the final pass, but that's the ball down down the, the channel for Watkins that, that makes that, that move happen in the first place. So, I've done enough talking about John McGinn over the last few weeks. How, how good is he and how much has he improved over the last kind of 18 months? He, he looks like a serious footballer now. He does. And, and and what what I think he looks like is he looks like a captain as well because yes, yeah, you know yeah. you you want somebody to be something to be somebody to be more than a seven out of ten. Like if he's if you're a seven, seven and a half out of ten every week, you need your captain to be that way, should I say. That slide pass to the that way to that pass to the Abbey for the second goal was was just Oh, it was caramel! It was brilliant, and I thought the weight of his pass today was really good. I thought he played, thought he played well. I thought he won. Well, he's passing, I think. I I think so too, and it was he was much maligned. I think it's something he's worked on because even mm. the end of the 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 first half, the first season with Gerrard, he was passing the ball everywhere but to a Villa player, you know, and and that's obviously symptomatic of of Gerrard just misusing him one hundred percent. But um, you know, now we're looking at him, and and he seems much more assured and. And I thought I spoke about Burnley's high press, and, and and I'm I'm looking forward to looking back at it afterwards. And I know I sound like I'm going in on Sanderberger and and Josh Cullen, and I probably am. But if Burnley fans can't, couldn't see how much massive problem they were today, then they're going to be just looking at this week in week out because all that needed to happen today was their huge press that 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 went on, and they did press brilliantly. Benson, I was surprised he came off. I thought he was an outlet for them. Um, I was actually really surprised he came, he came off, but himself, Kaliosho and uh, and Foster behind them, Dewey, I thought they really pressed up there. But there was a gulf of space. There was at least 35 to 40, 35 yards between where they were pressing and where mm. the two boys were standing in, in Cullen and Berger. And Josh uh, and um, John McGinn was pulling back into those into those areas, and 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 Bubakar Kamara was able to move forward into those that area, and Douglas Luis was there. So that's how you you can play through a high press really quickly, really easy if your spacing isn't correct. And the spacing wasn't correct today, and that's where Villa got a lot of joy. Like we didn't have as many passes as uh, as Burnley today. We didn't have the we didn't win the possession battle. Burnley had more possession. But what happened was like there was a lot of passing it, or there was a lot of high pressing when we had the ball, but we were just going, we were a lot more direct in how we could get yeah. the ball forward. And that comes from a John McGinn being in there, taking up that mm. space, and a Musa Diaby coming into the middle of midfield as well. And I thought the two of them were really beginning to look look for each other and look well together. So um, well done to both of them too. I, th- I think that there's uh, there's a lot that there's there's a lot that we can still work on there, maybe to increase the speed of our attack. And, and I know why it isn't quick at the moment because you need to have a lot of passes around at the back to let people get get set in their formation, um, in the way that we attack, but because we attack in that kind of W formation. But, um, with Doug, with Dina High and, and Diaby and 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 McGinn in behind Watkins, um, and then A another whether it be Cash or whether it be Bailey on the other side, and you need to have a lot of passes to get people set up there. But I think in transition we're beginning to get quicker and quicker at that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, against the high press today, I think it was a good. If, albeit we bossed this game from start to finish, I think it was still a very good um, opportunity for us to do it against that press. Mm, I saw your tweet 
that you did of your analysis of Pau Torres from the Everton game, which I would love it if we could do stuff like that. But we've got to be a lot more careful with the copyright rules than, than you have. Uh, you can awesome can't afford to lose your Twitter account. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, I'll be careful of that, Neil, in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but great kind of analysis of the way he kind of um, almost directs the play from from centre-half and, uh, and Villa's passing moves and things. You talk about like us being a, a bit quicker on trans- transition. Uh, obviously, all the talk pre-season was... Mings versus Torres, they're both left-footed, they both have different attributes. Obviously now Mings is no longer going to be a part of the squad and Torres is playing that position. But what he offers us on the ball and the way that he kind of springs defence into attack in a, in, a, in a click of a finger is unbelievable. I think, the, again, the more time goes on for him, the more Villa fans will start to realise what he brings and the, better, the more he gets up to the, up to the speed of the league as well. But he's such a classy footballer, isn't he, Torres? Yeah, he, he is. And... Um... Uh, we we can talk about the, the the good and the bad of him here if that's okay as well because he had one moment where he just completely I, I still I think he looked back and he got who was that defending and certainly wasn't me because that's the, the that's the defense I would be using too as well for that one because it was just a strange decision to go to go to the left shoulder as opposed to the right shoulder when it was obvious that it's like he forgot what foot the the, the striker played it was mm. was more adept to it and he went to the left shoulder and of course he just swiveled and, and put it in the back of the net but anyway he learned from those but with the ball at his feet he's 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 a real um comfort blanket for this uh, this midfield and I spoke about the fact that when you play the way that the Villa do when you play with that formation and attack in possession um, that Villa do you need to pass the ball about, around a bit you need to draw teams out you need to draw their at least draw somebody from their if you want to call it their second level the, so if they play one up top and they've got three behind you need to draw at least one of those forward to create that gap in, in between as I say in between the lines so that you can get players turned um, and that's what this thing is all about it's about players turning around trying to figure out where we're going and it, that gives you two yards uh, of, of a head start and when you've got players like Diaby in there that's just like that's exactly what they're made for um, but Pau Torres is great to be able to do that uh, he, he's an assured passer we can talk about his maybe his physicality and lack of it and that's something that when he came to Aston Villa people in, in La Liga questioned and I think that would be played that, that goal today would be played back to him umpteen times over the next week and I don't think he's going to be able to run away from it and that's fine too because I think he's a man I think he's I think he's a big enough boy to be able to realise that you know okay in the Premier League sometimes maybe I just need to put my put my uh, arms out and just be a roadblock as opposed to trying yeah. to always get on the ball and uh, and I think he learned from it but yeah listen look yeah, when Tyrone Mings goes down, um, he, Tyrone Mings went down. I know you guys did a whole podcast on it. What do we lose with Tyrone Mings? I was distraught after that that Newcastle game, not because of the result, because who would replace him from that kind of um, st- stability and that 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 um, kind of settling hand type of type of uh, player at the back. And Pau Torres has come in, and 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 his passing has certainly helped to do that. He'll get up to speed with the Premier League. He'll probably realise he can have a drag out of a player here and then. If you're a centre half, you tend to get away from, get away with it. If the other guy's a big man too, I think he'll get used to all that stuff and maybe maybe learn a dark art or two uh, as mm. the as the year goes on. But um, yeah, have to say, very happy with him today. Albeit the goal is uh, uh, we we would if you take out the goal, I think I would say I would be very very happy with him today. It's a very Unai Emery thing, isn't it? That he's had a great performance and played well, but the goal is just niggling you a little bit. And he, he's room for improvement, Pau Torres. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about Olsen and Matty Cash in a sec. There's been a few questions in the comments about Thursday, who plays in goal and all those kind of things. Um, talk about Zaniolo very briefly. Obviously, came on for his debut. Something about Nicolo Zaniolo, isn't there? Or Saniolo, I think, is the correct pronunciation. I've seen a few places say. 
comes on with his pink boots, his shirt tucked in, big lad, physical presence. You can tell already that he will be up to the, the, the physicality side of the Premier League. That kind of dogged, uh, Emmy Buendia traits of being a bit of a busybody, being everywhere, yeah. but having the advantage of about seven inches in height on Emmy Buendia, which is a big plus in, in, on his side, quite literally. Uh, he looks like he could be a bit of a underrated asset possibly for Villa. I think that signing has maybe gone under the radar a little bit because of his kind of possible fitness problems with the, the two ACLs he's had. But if he's over those, he comes on, doesn't he? Not make somebody has a shot from, from 25, 20 yards, whatever it is, and that, that could have got in on, an, on another day. There's just something about Nicolo Zaniola that I think Villa fans are going to fall in love with. Yeah, it's the pink boots and the white shirt as well. Now, that was the thing today. It really stood out for me. But no, um, you can see this guy. This guy is, uh, like, you talk about confidence players. I'd say this is this this guy has that, that touch of, okay, I want everybody to parse what I'm saying here with the fact that I do not think this guy is as good as Cristiano Ronaldo, okay, beforehand. But you know the thing where Cristiano Ronaldo is so cocky that when mm. he's feeling himself, he plays better and he needs to feel himself to play better. I think yeah. we've got something like that in Zaniola too. But at mm. the same time, I think he's I think he, he's the type of a guy who can play, him in, play himself into a game as, as well. Think maybe, and I'm thinking when I saw him today, I was thinking Anwar Al-Ghazi with about maybe an extra 15, 20% on top. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. probably a fair enough, a fair enough um, uh, kind of description of him. But that shot, the dip on that shot that he took, that James James Trafford had to get a, get a hand to that was like that that was a glimpse and, and and I don't think I think he was caught cold when he when he just come on and next thing he was racing through and couldn't believe his luck that everybody was everything was open up in front of him and then the Burnley player gets back to him yes maybe he should have squared at the Watkins but yeah. um, lots of lots of really interesting things that he did there lots of interesting uh, positions he took up i think one or two times i think i think he looked really eager because one or two times he actually so he's new he's here since he's here maybe what what eight days you could see he knew where the ball needed to go he just didn't know who needed to be there and i think he ran into passing lanes that other people were in um once or twice in and around the box and that's fine that's not a criticism it's just he's new around here and i think the more he gets to learn to play with these players specifically douglas louise i think mm. i think he's going to love playing with douglas louise i think he's going to love playing with douglas louise and, and and i'm looking forward to seeing how that partnership um grows over the next few next few weeks and months because uh you could see him eager to get on those little one touch triangle passes in and around the box and in around that kind of just at the edge of the attacking third. And, 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 and that's good because we need somebody who can do that because that breaks open play as well. You know, yeah. it, it allows, it sucks people in and then it allows our, our fullbacks, whether it be Dini, whether it be Matty Cash, whether it be Bailey, whether it be whoever, Alex Moreno, when he comes back, JJ, it allows the people who are out wide to be able to, 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 pull even wider and be, a, be an outlet for that ball to go wide and get everybody turned again because that's what this formation that's what Uno's tactics are all about it's about get that person turned so they can't get their feet planted and then it gives us options where we know where the balls are going to be where, what areas we're going to attack with crosses passes through balls or those little triangles as well so it's a uh, yeah, exciting players, Zaniolo, albeit we only saw him for 20 minutes. <laughs> you mentioned those little link-up passes and triangles, the move for the goal that Cash, I mean, the, the build-up player for that second goal, Zaniolo will be the player in that, that make Cash yeah. position, running into the box, linking up with DRB, that kind of turn of pace that, that Zaniolo has got as well. There's a couple of comments, kind of reference him to the Italian Zlatan. 
that kind of personality yeah. side of things, I think he's, he's probably spot on. But <laughs> as much as the, the good side of his game, that one you mentioned where he should have squared it to Watkins. And if the game was riding on it as a nil-nil, you, you'd be fuming <laughs> with him yeah. not passing out there. Uh, but I think we're 3-1 up, up at that stage. So, yeah, go and enjoy yourself, Nicola. Um, let's talk about Olsen and Cash then. We'll do this in the, in the same breath by a, a, a bit of a moan. It's not about their performances for me. It's about social media. Again, I think you and me actually spoke about this before on a show where it's like the team news comes out an hour before kickoff and somebody is in the squad that people generally don't like and it's, oh, we've lost today. Robin Olsen's playing hard, end, disaster, end of the world, Turf Moor, Burnley going to do us over. Matty Cash playing further forward, what a disgrace, what's he not up to? Olsen barely has to do a single thing all game. In the first half, Burnley don't even have a shot on target. I mean, you could have played in goal in, in the first half, <laughs> and all right, couldn't it? it would have been the same outcome because there was nothing to do. And Cash scores the brace that essentially wins the game, so... Can we all just calm down a little bit when the team news comes out and stop kind of having a go at individuals when it's a team game now and it's, it's not an over-reliance on an individual to do something? And Martinez is the obvious one, isn't it? If he's missing, it does change the dynamic. There's one thing in particular that I wanted to mention and it's, I'm absolutely picking flyers. And it's before the Burnley goal in the, in the initial phase, before the ball comes in. I think it's Diego Carlos kind of flicks a header backwards rather than heading it back to Olsen. And I think if Martinez is playing and they all have a, a bit more confidence in him, I think he just knocks that back to Martinez and the danger is over. But for some reason, it might not be a goalkeeper thing. It might have just been Diego Carlos, Max Estrange. I think it was him. I don't know whether you remember the instance. But he kind of tries to flick it out of the box through the back mm. of his head. Which, if you clear that first time where you go back to the keeper, danger is gone, Burnley don't even score. And again, I'm absolutely picking flies there. But the general point is, it's a team game. Like, let's yeah. just all calm down. Let's judge the team after the game has been played, not an hour before it's even kicked off, because it's, it's ridiculous. I know it's social media and everyone just wants to have an opinion, but slating the goalkeeper and saying, oh, it's game over because he's playing, or what's Cash going to do at right wing? Just relax, please. I, I blame it all, and there's, there's this podcast, and I don't know how anyone can ever listen to them. They're just the worst. They're called For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast. They're oh, just... No, a sheet tantrum. Do a team sheet tantrum, and it just puts everybody in bad... <laughs> It's my favorite podcast because I think, and you know what the the interesting thing about it is, the reason that we do it is, and we call it Team Sheet Tantrum in a in a very um, it's a it's a sarcastic kind. Of, it, it actually came about when Dean Smith was the manager because there was uh, people said that he never made any changes or never changed mm. up his team, and then all of a sudden, like we were saying, okay, this is going to be a tantrum. Yet he won't have changed up his team, so everybody's expecting what the team is. So that was the irony behind it. But the reason we do it is to be able to maybe try and explain it, not explain it from a. a a cocky point of view. We're not cocky, but it get allows people to have a conversation together and go, okay, yeah, listen, maybe we can see where Maddie Cash is going to play. Why would we do this? Why would we, why are we setting up like this when Burnley are there uh, are setting up like this? And we just kind of talk it through and people come in the comments and they give their opinions. And I think I think it's a nice leveler because sometimes myself and Paddy can get very, very high or very low when we when we uh, see stuff on, on social media too. And uh, and I know that you know I sit down a half an hour before the game and I go, right bit more bit more centered now for this game and i'm going to be able mm. to watch it but you're right you're you are right like sometimes people will come in and go this is a disgrace like there's there's no point in even showing up today watkins is got, couldn't hit the back end of a barn or uh what's maddie cash gonna do there why doesn't he start bailey bailey's in form you know why you it sets a bad precedent for the team and you know what's the dressing room going to look like when they see bailey who's been on form the last two games and you're now <laughs> dropping him you know and then you're kind of going look it's not like bailey found out 
right now when we're finding out that he's not in the team. He probably knew since Thursday he won't be in the team. You know, little things like that. So, but it allows people to get 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 it out of the system. But I I, I do agree with agree with you. Um, that you know sometimes. And, and everyone's guilty of it. We're guilty of it. Even even live on the podcast, we're guilty of it. You know, sometimes you go, I can't figure this one out. And yeah, uh, we have a mantra on, on the podcast that is like, well, we we won't actually know what the hell's going to go on here until ten minutes into the game, you know. And that's that's really no matter what way the team sets up, no matter what, what no matter what way. Okay, you can put out eleven players on the field. But today, the, the, there was a conversation about, are we playing five at the back? Are we just really going there for a point? Are we afraid of Burnley? And, and like I was I was kind of saying on our podcast, saying, no, Matty Cash is going to play right wing, and we're going to go mm. essentially three at the back. And this is the perfect game to try this because they're going to press high, and it allows, all, it, it allows us to play this way. And, and that's the way it worked out. I'm not saying we called it perfectly or anything like that, but when you look at it, you step back from it, the decision was made to catch Burnley and we caught them because the guy who was put in that position ended up scoring two goals. You know, we so. keep saying we keep saying you, we don't question Ian Emery because he's a far better place person of anybody to, to pick the side than any of us are. And I know, like I said, it's social media. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> we want to encourage people to have an opinion, but have it yeah. after the game. I've said that after the Newcastle game, it's okay to question Emery after the fact. If you think if Cash had an absolute stinker at right wing today, we'd be saying. Well, that didn't quite work, did it? And we'd have to change things, and, and maybe we won't see that again. It's just, it's just happened to be that he scored two goals today in that position where it looks yeah. like an absolute masterstroke from memory. So you just have to hold yeah. your hands up and say, just, just, just relax and calm down a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do like yeah. the, the kind of encouraging people to have an opinion. I just don't. I, what I don't like is the kind of like Olsen's playing. I'll be lost. It doesn't work like that. Um, let's talk about Hibernian Thursday very quickly. And the kind of more general point that Villa haven't really got out of second gear or first gear, however the phrase is, over the last uh, three games now. The Everton game, very easy at Villa Park. The Hibs game, obviously very easy after the 15th minute as well, where uh, Villa eventually scored and, and win 5-0. Today at points, very comfortable and very relaxed. Mm. I felt as a fan watching the game at Villa in, in absolute cruise control. Villa haven't had to get out of first gear yet really and, and put somebody to, to put somebody to the sword and they're capable of doing it but we haven't seen it yet and this Liverpool game coming up next weekend will be the kind of say the biggest test of the season I suppose we've already had Newcastle away but we've had three games now where we've had a pretty easy ride of it the Hibs game coming up on Thursday again even if Villa make a heavily heavy rotated side that should still be a pretty comfortable game for Villa, uh, Villa Park as well um, if Martinez is to still be injured this week, do we play Marshall in goal on Thursday because we're resting Olsen for Liverpool? Or do we think Martinez might be back and Olsen plays again Thursday and Martinez comes back for Liverpool? Um, I'm asking you to read your crystal ball a little bit, but how would you feel about it if Martinez I, was saying Thursday, I'm fit and ready? Oh, I, 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 Olsen, Olsen starts for me against tips. We, we have a five, we have a five goal lead. Um, like, do I think Robin Olsen is like? Would I feel comfortable with Robin Olsen playing thirty games for Villa this season? No, no, I wouldn't. But you know, like that, and that's really realistic. He's not as good as Emmy Martin is. Um, if we could upgrade on him, I think the club would upgrade on him. But you know, he's still an international standard goalkeeper, and if he can get better with his feet, I think he'll. I think he'll come an awful lot. I mean that by being able to pass the ball out and also coming yeah. off his line. And he's really rooted to his line, which just and that that to me is the biggest issue with him. But um. 
I think he plays the weekend. I don't think there's any reason to wrap him in cotton wool for Liverpool uh, on on the, the the Sunday afterwards. Um, I think Martinez will be back for that anyway, but I think I you play him. I also think like five goals up as well. I think we're going to see Omari Kellyman Kelly um, in the squad, if not starting. Um, Hibs have just sacked Lee Johnson. Yeah, it's well, funny, so, you know, so he's not even going to make the trip to Birmingham. Um, Hibs are on a horror run as well mm. in, in the last three, two yesterday to Livingston. Um, Probably, so I, I, I don't know how up for going to Birmingham they're going to be. Um, so I'd say I, I think Olsen starts and, and, and I think, yes, I think there will be rotation. Um, I think Chambers maybe gets to get, get gets in there somewhere, and I think we see Tielemans instead of Douglas Louise. Um, if then Donker's back on grass, I think maybe we even see the Donker in there um, mm. on, on Thursday because if five, you know, it, it's it, yeah. I, I don't think Unai Emery is going to be um, putting out his full team on Thursday for sure. But no, it will start I think, for me. And even if they knew Martinez was missing Liverpool and said, "Oh, we'll give him one more game and the international break to get back," I would still play Olsen against Hibbs and Liverpool yeah. because he's a goalkeeper, and the, yeah. the, the game at Thursday yeah. will, will trouble him none whatsoever. So get game time, get get a bit more uh, confidence, I guess. Uh, just yeah. very quickly away from from this game, uh, Liverpool Newcastle are playing now. Uh, Newcastle are winning one nil, and Van Dijk has just been sent off for Liverpool, so he'll mm. miss our game Ooh. next week unless that's a dodgy decision that gets overturned. Uh, I've obviously not seen anything of that, but interesting that he will miss. I actually feel quite confident for that Liverpool game. Weirdly, like we just said, forget forget Hibs. As a, a, as a, yeah, forget Hibs as a build up for next week because you like you said it'll be a massive rotation. I still think we'll we'll beat them anyway. And, There'll be nothing read into that game whatsoever. I said to John the other day, almost tongue in cheek, it's probably not even worth us doing a post match show for that because it'll be such a, <laughs> a, a nothing game on it uh, with the amount of rotation that we'll have. Do you back us against Liverpool? We have a semi decent record against them. We seem to have a good game against them, even if we don't particularly get a result. Um, like I said, that will be our toughest test since Newcastle, and we have been playing out in first gear for the last couple of weeks. But I would back us to go there with a specific game plan under Emery, whatever the team sheet comes out as, I won't be having a breakdown. I think we could do a job on Liverpool. I think they're vulnerable in places. Um, You're talking to Mr. Glass half full all the time. You know, my <laughs> optimism knows no bounds with Aston Villa. And, and you know, with, if Virgil van Dijk is out and if it's a case of Gomez and Matip or Gomez and Kanata in there, um, I don't know who he would go there. I think you'd have to, you'd have to, you know, you, you wouldn't go, you'd never go to Liverpool or you never go playing against Liverpool. The forward line is just immense. Put it this way, Dan, I'm going to put it this way to you. If Salah goes to Saudi Arabia during the week <laughs> for the for the transfer window closes, I'll come back and I'll give you my give you my percentage. But at the moment, I would I, I would be less than 50-50 Villa could, go to, could, could get a result because you have to, I think Liverpool are, you have to respect them. Now, saying that, with Unai Emery here, we can catch teams. We have caught yeah. teams, and we will catch teams this season. So it could very easily be that we catch Liverpool. Um, so I would be hopeful and confident, but not expectant, if that's the, if, if, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, although I was sitting on our show saying, oh, we'll go to Newcastle and get something, so I'm not the best yeah. judge. I'll, I'll predict a win every single week so predicted far. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's predicted. Um, it's, it's, it's why I'm not predicting the Villa could go there and get something because I'm yeah. I'm still twice shy after after Newcastle again. For anyone that has got one eye on that Liverpool game in the comments, if you could just give us a shout whether it was a red card or whether it's one of these ones that could be overturned. People um, on Twitter are website. saying it was never a red. 
Well, really, the Premier League oh, website says oh. that uh, Van Dijk brings down Isaac and he's shown a red card. The Dutchman doesn't agree with it and sticks around, but a VAR call uh, confirms yeah. it. Uh, you'd expect that probably won't be overturned, even if it doesn't really look like a red. Um, just quickly, Neil, to end, I know we've been a bit all over the place. Talk to me about Matty Cash a little bit. Um, somebody who I, I like, and that's not just because we did it, we did an interview with him before pre-season. Uh, if he has a bad game, I will still say that. Um, but he's one that kind of gets this this um, perception of being, oh, he could be upgraded on. And that might be true, um, or that he shouldn't be anywhere near the side and things like this. And I think he gets a bit of a harsh rap sometimes, and, and sometimes that is fair. Uh, but further forward, and that's probably not always where he's best, his best attributes. I, I do think his end product could be improved upon and his crossing of the ball could be improved upon. But today specifically, he's in the right positions and he finishes well and could have could have had a hat-trick. Mm. Um, just give me, to end the show, a bit of a, a, bit of a chat about May Cash. Uh, very delighted for him today, as I say. Um, formerly, I suppose, it, it's very easy to forget. Uh, and it's been, what, four years now he's been with Aston Villa? Three years, four years? Three years, anyway. Um, he did yeah. start off his career playing in, in midfield uh, mm-hmm. as well. So, um, But, you know, you can't just turn that on. You can't just turn on that switch whenever you need to. Um, it's a really nice option to have. Now, with this new... Um, I was going to call it a fad, but it's not a fad. With this new, really in, in, ingenious or this uh, innovative kind of tactic of bringing that 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 fullback in field, the likes the, like people are doing with John Stones, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. You know, if Matty Cash was to get used to playing back in midfield again, he seems like the perfect candidate you could have for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's yeah. performance, I think, was really good. I think he was brave to get to that ball at the back post. He collided with the post afterwards, but he was fine. You know, the adrenaline kept him going. And then the second goal was just really good positioning from him. Really, really good positioning from him. And, and uh, you know, he, he had another, there was another few instances where he was attacking the right positions in the box as well um, from cutbacks. Uh, and, and he was unlucky not to have his, uh, have his hat-trick. So, Maddy Cash, look, I think we can, I, I think it's fair to say, like, players will go through their peaks and their troughs. And Aston Villa, this team is not the finished article. And mm. we know when Unai came in, he didn't really fancy Cash, it seemed. Um, but Maddy Cash has learned. He has changed he's changed the way that he's played. I couldn't tell you how he's done that, but obviously he has. Unai Emery now is trusting him in a lot more situations, a lot more areas. He, got, he, he didn't re-up Ashley Young's contract. Matty Cash is, uh, is is maturing as a player, and and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does it. And especially if if this um, if playing him as that kind of that right winger or that right wide midfielder continues over the course of the season, it's just really interesting because I don't I, I don't care who plays in this team as long as we're getting a tune out of the eleven that are there. Exactly and right, yeah. and and there's a part of me as well, Dan, that kind of. It gets a bit giddier when you've got a manager that that out tactics another manager like we did today. Mm. You know, there's 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 like a a winning on merit that 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 I like and I enjoy um, about that. So uh, long may it continue. You know that Maddie Cash is finding those areas and popping up and scoring goals. Like I, I think in his first season with us, his first season with us, did he score four goals? Did he score four goals for Villa? You're asking I don't know. a question that I don't know the answer to. Uh, I, I'm asking myself a question I don't know the answer to as well. But I, I seem to remember he scored scored quite a few goals maybe in his first season. Um, okay, don't just Google Cash Wikipedia because uh, that won't work. That won't get you the answer anyway, everybody. Um, but like he's six goals for Aston Villa in the league. Yeah, yeah. 20, 21, 22, he scored four goals for Aston Villa, it says here, all in the league. Uh, 
I don't so, remember that. I was going to say, can you can you think of the others? There was the one against Man City, wasn't there, in the final game of the season? So that's five. Four, sorry, five would be today. What's the sixth? There was Everton. He scored that goal against Everton, and he scored. He scored the the other goal he scored this season as well was with his left foot. That goal against Everton, twenty one, twenty two. I know he scored that with his left foot as well. Um, yeah, this is one for Dan Bardell. This is where he really like Dan Bardell with his his encyclopedic knowledge of minutes and dates that people scored goals yeah. is, is incredible. So I, I can barely remember what I had for breakfast, so you got no chance of, of telling me what what specific games those goals were. Uh, I yeah. keep saying we're going to end and we are in a sec. Well, as soon as I've got you on, I'll ask you one final question. We are doing another podcast tomorrow, by the way, for those that enjoy the show. I'll be on with John to look at, look at the um, kind of wider talking points after the game. And we'll see if anything happens with this Liverpool game as well tomorrow morning. Um, are you concerned all about Ollie Watkins' form in terms of actually scoring goals? I know he scored three in the in the Conference League on, on Wednesday night, but three Premier League games now without a goal. He's had a couple of chances that he probably could have done better with, and people again will argue that a world-class striker, somebody better than Ollie Watkins, would have scored a couple of those chances that he's had. Uh, he obviously gets the assist today for Cash's first goal. Um, his contract situation is still rumbling on, to use a cliche. Are you concerned about his form at all, or do you think it'll come? Um, it's a difficult question to answer because uh, I'm not concerned about his form because up until last season when he went in that massive streak of scoring goals, he had been like he'd been a player who goes on droughts uh, and then might score two in a game. Um, mm. So he's been a, a, a kind of a, a cluster scorer, if that's such a, a phrase. So I'm not too concerned because he has had three, four game game droughts before. I think he was incredibly unlucky for that one. That I know people are going to say he hit it straight at James Trafford. I think he connects with it perfectly. And, and I don't think that like, the pace the ball comes across there. Like I don't think no matter how much you if he opens up his body there, he's putting it wide. I think he did exactly what he had to do, and James Trafford was just in the right place. And in fairness, he caught it. I think Trafford's a really good goalkeeper, actually. I I I'm aligned to him a small little bit about being 19 million for somebody who'd only played at League One level. And was he was he worth the same amount that Emmy Martinez was? I think he was good today, and I think he's I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, seeing seeing him play. But I think that was a good save, and I think that you know. I don't genuinely the pace the ball came across to him. I don't think he could have done much better than just literally put his laces through it. Because if you open mm. your body there, you put it wide, and everyone's going, "Oh my god, how did he put it wide from four yards?" You know. So uh, sometimes you got to just hope that the goalkeeper lets it squirt underneath him, and it didn't work. But he has had opportunities. I thought against Everton, he was very loose with the ball, very loose mm. with the ball. Um, yeah. But today, I think he was much better. I think he brought play, people into play. And uh, I think he needs that goal in the Premier League. That's why I was more annoyed at Zaniolo for not squaring the ball to him, to tapping into the back of the net just to get on the score sheet. Um, that's what his confidence needs. But uh, as long as the goals are coming from somewhere, and I do think that there probably will be a small bit of competition brought in over the next few days for him. Um, I've still, I've always been banging the drum that Unai Emery is going to bring in a striker over 30 that the fans won't particularly underst not understand, but the fans will go, why are we bringing in a 30-year-old fellow who only scored six goals in La Liga last year? And all of a sudden, he has a pretty decent season for us. And he's mm. not seen as the long-term project, but he just fills a gap for us this year. I've always been of the opinion that's going to happen. We'll see over the next few days. But uh, I'm not too concerned about Ollie Watkins just yet. If we get... If we get to the end of September and we're still waiting for him to score a goal, well, then it might be time to panic. But not, it's, not like, it's like you said, as long as the, the 11 that plays, though, is ticking nicely and performing, it, yeah. it, to a certain degree, it doesn't really matter. Like, including, yeah. obviously, the Europa League, uh, the Europa Conference League game where Watkins does score a hat-trick. We've scored, what, 12, 13 goals since that 
that over uh, that since that Newcastle game. So the team, uh, as much as we've said, have played easy opposition in Everton, Hibs, and uh, Burnley. We are creating chances and we are scoring goals without the team. So even if Ollie Watkins isn't the one sticking the ball in the back of the net, as long as the Villa are playing well, it doesn't really matter. But the, again, the cliche is you want him off the mark as soon as possible for yeah. confidence and things like that. And yeah. if he does score against Liverpool, for example, and that's an international break, but I'd still be backing Watkins for 13, 14, 15 goals in the league this year anyway. And and if the, the Conference League game is anything to go by, a hatful in that competition as well, which it will be nice for him. Neil, well, I will end it there. Dragged over a little bit longer than I would like. Like I said, we're going to do another show tomorrow. So anything we've not talked about, Cameron Archer to Sheffield United, for example, will be on the agenda for tomorrow. If you want to suggest a topic or ask a question for tomorrow's show, get involved in the YouTube comments and I'll compile those and put them to John. Neil, thanks for stepping in and joining me. It's a pleasure as always. So live comments for, for getting involved and those watching on Sunday evening. If you're watching this on Catch Up, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Neil, thank you for joining me. Thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you tomorrow.